Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We will allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star then zero on your touch tone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Senior Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Well, thank you so much, Regina, and I too would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Care Connect Education Workshop, Taking Your Pills on Schedule, Its Importance in Managing Cancer. Um, and this is a very important program for all of you. I'm so happy that you're all on the call today. And today's program is supported by Alliance Rx Walgreens Pharmacy, and I really want to thank them for their support of this program. Now, we have a lot of you on the call today. There is over um, 200 participants on the call today, um, and you come from all the United States, from both urban, rural, and suburban areas. And we also have international participants from Australia, Canada, Denmark, Ireland, South Africa, Nigeria, and the United Kingdom. So it's really a global call as well. And now it is my great pleasure to introduce our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Stuart Fleischman. Dr. Fleischman is former founding director, Cancer Support Services, Continuing Cancer Centers of New York, an author and researcher in oncology. Dr. Fleischman will be addressing an overview of cancer treatments, including clinical trials on adherence, definition of adherence, taking your pills on schedule, its important role in managing cancer, communicating with your healthcare team about adherence, and guidelines to prepare for telehealth, telemedicine appointments, including technology, prepared list of questions, follow-up care, and discussion of the 2021 CARES Act. It's my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Fleischman. Thank you, Dr. Messner, and thank you all for signing on to this call. It's a very important topic and a topic that often doesn't get much uh, attention. So it's a good time for us to consider how you take your medicines and, and what that actually means. So um, all, all of us, and I think all of us, if we were brutally honest, will admit that as patients, if we're asked to take something four times a day or three times a day or every four hours or every whatever number of hours, it certainly is really hard to stick with that routine. Um, it's usually very important and um, making sure that you know if there's any wiggle room or it has to be exactly on time or something, you need to ask either the clinician, the provider who's writing the prescription or sending the prescription electronically to your pharmacy or to your pharmacist. Um, the uh, intervals between um, medications, we're talking mostly oral medicines now because the intravenous or um, intramuscular, the shots you get either in the vein or in the muscle are, are done um, by a, a provider and they can uh, control that time um, a little more finely. Um, oral medications um, are often used in cancer treatment these days. Um, they are part of the new frontier of targeted treatments along with some other uh, intravenous medications. 
but the uh, sort of a perception that many people have is that because these are oral medicines, not intravenous medicines, they're easier to take or they may have less side effects. And it runs the gamut from that being extremely true to being um, uh, as difficult sometimes to tolerate um, or, and as effective or even more effective than intravenous medications. So the directions that you get really should be taken seriously. So if we think about adherence, which is um, uh, a word that we often use in, in um, healthcare circles, it really means that you're taking care, you're taking your medications correctly at the right dose and at the right interval or at the right time of day. It's a very basic concept. And those intervals are especially important if you're taking part in a clinical trial. Many, not all, but many clinical trials are actually looking at how you're absorbing the medicine, how long the medicine is staying at a certain concentration in your system, and how quickly your body digests the medicine. Those are sometimes called pharmacokinetic studies or kinetic studies. And that's where the timing is really, really essential. Um, uh, often those studies are done when you're in an infusion room or a research center and uh, blood is drawn a number of times to see how much of the medicine you're retaining. But even if it's not that kind of study, sticking with the schedule that you're given is very important. Uh, when, I ha when I explain this to patients, I often say it's kind of like having a glass of water and every so often you spend the glasses full and every so often you sip some of the water out. That's um, how much drug you have in your body and how, how, your body, uh, how, much, how quickly your, your body digests the drug into its components, which are often more active against the cancer than the actual form of the drug that's in the pill that you're taking. Um, the, the interval is designed so that a certain amount of that water in that glass is constant for a, a certain number of hours. Um, and by taking a second uh, dose at the prescribed interval, the prescribed time between the first dose and the second dose, you're bumping the water up again to the top of the glass or close to it. And then the glass may empty a little more slowly because you have part of the first dose and the second dose. And you can guess how uh, adding a third and a fourth dose, and this goes on for a number of days, how a, a sort of a steady state is reached in your system and the medication is digested or metabolized out slowly over the course of time. And that time may be essential to how effective it is in your system. So following um, the, the time interval, it can be very difficult, and I believe that uh, other speakers will give you some very practical details. We certainly can have technology be our friend now and um, have um, alarms on our phones, have someone call us on the telephone, get a text message, use an alarm clock. There are some pill um, containers that actually have a, a little alarm clock built into the uh, into the cap and it can be set to go off at certain times to remind you to take the medicine at the prescribed time. The technology can really help us out a lot. And even if it's a family member or a friend who's keeping track, calls you on the phone and says, now it's time to take your medicine. Any way that one of, any one of these methods that can be helpful is extremely important um, if 
just to keep us on track because we all know how, how easy it is sometimes, especially after the first few days, to get a little floppy with the uh, interval between the medicines. And um, in, in many cases, it's really important to keep that up. So um, if, uh, if you're having trouble uh, with the interval, or trouble getting the medicine, or uh, trouble paying for the medicine, or um, not understanding the directions, or if there are any limitations as far as what other things you can mix with it, both foods and or other medicines and or supplements, uh, please speak with your provider or your pharmacist. Uh, those are the most uh, knowledgeable people about you, about the medication, and about what can or can, cannot be mixed, and they can always uh, access um, some uh, very helpful online databases that are um, really have a good track record of giving uh, proper information. So it's real important to be able to speak with the team uh, if, if you even anticipate problems or during the time you're taking the medicine, if you are running into problems, please um, speak up. Uh, communication with the team in cancer treatment, as you all know, is a team effort now. It's not uh, simply the oncologist in the office or perhaps with the oncology nurse, but there are many folks who are very experienced in cancer centers involved in um, providing care for you. So use them to your best advantage. Um, this has changed a lot over the last uh, three years, let's say, with the um, COVID-19 pandemic, where more and more of the questions that we have are not answered in person, but on a telephone or on a, in a telehealth visit, which may actually be audio only, it's pretty much like a regular phone call, but it may be a, a, a timed appointment that uh, the two of you can speak or it may be a video link that you could use um, if you have access to um, a, a smart telephone, a telephone with internet access, a phone that accesses more than voice and text to be able to see each other, um, to be able to talk back and forth. Um, often questions these days are answered by telehealth visits and maybe some interim visits can be done um, through telehealth and that the use of telehealth became uh, very high at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic and has been found to be helpful in certain circumstances, providing um, patients the access to their providers without having to travel at some parts of the United States, either at great distance or in terrible traffic to be able to see a provider for um, a short visit or just to answer questions. So telehealth is something that we're still using now. The laws uh, for the future are unclear as to if these will be reimbursed or the uh, privacy and confidentiality issues that come with telehealth because the um, access needs to be in a secure way so that no one can, can get in on the call. Oh, many of those things are still up for grabs and um, it's, it will take probably a while longer for us to be able to come to um, some decision about how long they'll be used and what ways they'll be used and how it can be helpful. If you're going to have a telehealth visit, there are a lot of advantages and some extra responsibilities. Uh, and the big advantage of telehealth is that if you have a family member or a close friend who's part of your care who will take notes for you, who will keep track of the questions that you may have, 
they can sign on with your permission and the provider's permission to any place in the world with a telephone or internet connection. So they don't have to travel with you. They don't have to be even in the same city or the same state or the same country as long as they have internet access and it is okay with everybody. Um, but you have to prepare a little bit. So preparing questions as you would for a good, to have a good in-person visit can be very helpful because it's easy sometimes to forget the questions you have and that's where friends and family can help. Finding out exactly how you're going to sign on uh, will somebody be calling you? Do you have to um, call into a, a telephone number? Is there a certain website that you need to sign on to? Uh, the office staff will often uh, get that information for you a day or two in advance. And if it's your first time, you can ask or they may ask you to actually sign in and practice it so that um, at the time that the provider is available, things go as smoothly as possible. Um, quiet place is good. Make sure your devices are charged. If you're using a cell phone or a tablet or a laptop, um, that you're in a place with good reception, whether it's through a telephone signal through the air or through um, an internet uh, system. Make sure you have good access and you, your device is plugged in or it is uh, fully charged. That can be very helpful. Um, these visits can be quite helpful for everybody involved. Um, they are a little more limited in that the providers can't do parts of a physical exam that may be important to answer your questions or important for them to follow up on things, but they can be helpful and uh, we're still learning how to use these to everybody's advantage. The last thing I'd like to talk about a little bit is the 2021 CARES Act in which um, because many of our medical records are now in the electronic system rather than on paper and um, big folders in the provider's office. Uh, often that means that uh, lab tests, imaging studies, even a pathology report appear on the actual website that's uh, private and confidential to you and the system where your provider works. Um, because uh, the law was designed to, for the maximum um, transparency and availability of information to patients who are involved, the, sometimes the reports now appear before the provider's office even has a chance to look at it or before the provider's office has a chance to interpret the results. And it's been good and bad. Uh, like with the other parts of technology, in that often it's without a strong medical background, especially a medical background in oncology, uh, it may be hard to interpret the results. It may be that an abnormal result is expected and should be there rather than a problem. So uh, when you look at these reports, if you see them before, someone from your provider's office can actually help uh, make some meaning out of them. Uh, for you, please make sure not to panic if something seems off. Um, there's a lot of jargon, especially in the pathology reports and in the reports from uh, x-rays and CAT scans and MRIs and PET scans. Please um, make an appointment to speak with someone at your provider's office that may be in person, that may be over the telehealth over the phone, or it may be a, a video telehealth call. But please understand that these are reports need to be interpreted in context of your cancer and your treatment and an abnormal result is often expected. 
So uh, please don't jump to conclusions. Um, many patients who read a pathology report with all the technical terms uh, don't understand things and fear the worst. Um, and um, please get the proper interpretation from your provider's office before jumping to any conclusions. It's, it's really, really important to do that. Uh, with that, I will uh, finish up my part of this um, cancer care teleconference and turn the call back over to Dr. Messner. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Fleischman. That was really outstanding. Just a wonderful presentation, stellar as always, and also providing the context for today's program um, very much so. And I actually did want to acknowledge that today's program is supported um, uh, by um, Alliance Rx Walgreens Pharmacy, and I really want to thank them for their support of this program. Um, and um, so now it's my great pleasure now to introduce our next speaker. And I know there'll be questions for Dr. Fleischman during the Q&A as well. Um, and our next speaker is uh, Dr. Lisa Thompson. Dr. Thompson is Clinical Pharmacy Coordinator, Supervisor, PGY2 Oncology Pharmacy Residency Director, Banner MD Anderson Cancer Center. And Dr. Thompson will be addressing practical tips to overcome these barriers, including family, partners, and others, computer, tablet, and phone reminders, including emails, texts, and apps, planning ahead, lead time and refilling prescriptions, weekends, travel, and holidays, and communicating with your healthcare team about adherence and reminders from your pharmacy and pharmacist. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Thompson. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak today. Um, so as she mentioned, I'm a pharmacist and I've specialized in oncology and I work directly um, with the healthcare team in an outpatient cancer center. So I do work a lot with both um, IV, so the intravenous um, chemotherapy and those oral chemotherapy agents um, and are often talking to patients about how to take their medications and ways to um, you know, improve adherence and compliance. So I, can um, I hope that I can help you better understand the role of the pharmacist um, and your healthcare team in your cancer treatment journey and how to manage taking your pills um, on schedule. And just to kind of put in there, you know, never be hesitant to reach out to your pharmacist or your healthcare team, you know, whether it be your local retail pharmacist or, you know, your healthcare team via different ways. And we'll talk about some of those. You know, pharmacists are very accessible um, healthcare providers, and they definitely have, you know, a broad knowledge base, too, where they can definitely, you know, help offer advice and, um, you know, with compliance and obtaining your medications and things like that. So never, ever be afraid to reach out. We want you to be successful um, as a member of your healthcare team and want to make sure that you feel good about those medications that you're taking. So when it comes to, you know, including your family um, and friends in your healthcare um, journey, you know, really just make sure, don't be afraid to ask for help. People want to support you in this journey. And, you know, I think that's one of the biggest um, barriers potentially is that we're afraid to ask for help or afraid to acknowledge that we don't understand something. Please never be ashamed of that. We would rather see you be successful and ask the questions than not. So as previously mentioned, you know, bring a support person to appointments, you know, if it's allowed. If you can't bring somebody to an appointment because of certain rules or regulations during flu season or due to COVID or, or things like that, you know, as we were previously mentioning, call somebody in on the phone, you know, use speakerphone, get people involved um, in that care. And just mention it to your healthcare providers that you can make sure it doesn't need to be a secret, you know, just say, hey, you know, my 
you know, family member wasn't able to come with today, can they be on the phone while we're talking so that it'll help me remember? Um, you know, take notes, share those with your loved ones. And again, just don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask questions. And one of the big things that we want to do is identify the reasons for non-adherence. And we started to talk about some of those. You know, are, are you forgetting to take the medications because you have a busy schedule? You know, are there organizational considerations? Do we need to better organize your medications? Um, or is there a cost issue that's coming into play? Be honest about those things so that we can help you and help you find the resources to be successful. <clears throat> when it comes to reminders and things like that, Again, lots of different options out there, whether you're somebody who really enjoys integrating technology, um, you can use that. If you don't, there's options as well for, you know, more manual reminders or, or writing things down. So simply put, you know, a pill diary to record that you've taken doses and to jot down side effects. You can print off or make something very simple on a piece of paper using a pencil and a pen to chart down, you know, I took my morning medication, I took my afternoon medication, and then check it off in case you're afraid of forgetting. Leverage pill boxes to help organize those medications. Um, you know, apps. There are a lot of apps out there. So if you are somebody who has a smartphone, go ahead and log into your app store and just search medication reminder in the app store and you'll find different things on there. They can offer different solutions like refill reminders to help you remember to get prescriptions refilled. They can help you um, remember when to take your medications and they can offer um, you know, opportunities to, to record that you've taken your medications but you've got to do what's best for you. Um, you know, ask your friends, ask family members, you know, if they've ever used any of these um, resources and what have they liked or not liked. If you start using one and define that it's not helping you or it's too cumbersome or it's not helping you be successful, you know, stop using that one and switch to something different. Um, I will mention a few different ones out there. There's a lot of different ones. Some are free, um, some aren't. There's one called MediSafe. Um, and, sometimes, and some of these too, your family can also log into your account as well so that they can help you remember or they'll get notifications as well if you forgot to take a medication. So then you too can talk about um, how to improve compliance and things like that. There are a lot of um, different pill reminders. Um, that are just simply called like pill reminder, all in one, pill reminder, med control, lots of different ones that can help you, um, you know, basically manage your medications. They will send reminders to your phone that'll pop up like alerts and tell you um, to take your medication. But if for some reason these apps are too cumbersome for you, you don't like it, go ahead and log into your phone and just set timers or reminders in your phone. Um, you know, same thing as like a, a wake-up reminder. You can set reminders to take your medications at certain times of day. So lots of options out there. If you, um, you know, are kind of staying in your house or are not, you know, moving around as much, simply if you have like an Alexa device or something like that, you can set reminders on that as well. Um, if you don't like using a smartphone or things like that, there are um, different devices that you can purchase, um, such as like a small handheld timer. Um, there's one called um, Tab Time, and it can set up to eight alarms that will help you remember to take your medication. So lots of different options out there. Um, with your pill boxes too, again, simply setting up a very basic one to help you remember which medications are at what time can be beneficial. But there are also um, 
cap timers. And so you can actually put like a timer on the cap of your medication bottle and it'll help you know like when you last opened the bottle. Um, so it kind of help you know that, okay, I probably took that medication because I opened it up, you know, at breakfast time or something like that. So that's another option that's out there. There's also um, some different devices too that light up. So if like a, you know, auditory or, or a hearing type reminder isn't what you want, there are some that light up um, that can help you in that sense as well. And some of those two will also send email alerts to caregivers if you want them involved in the process as well. Um, so just lots of different options out there. So I would just say, you know, again, try different things and see what works best for you. Again, talking with others to see what's worked for them um, and for their advice is definitely helpful too. A big thing with pharmacy is, you know, refills, right? So refilling prescriptions, uh, weekends, travel, and holidays. So you can typically refill a prescription about seven days um, in advance. So just kind of keep that in mind. Um, it's always good if you have questions to just call your pharmacy. They can tell you if it's too soon to refill a prescription or not. But if you're traveling, you know, a good thing to remember is that, you know, if you're filling a prescription at a large um, national or international chain, you may be able to, if it's not time to fill your prescription yet, but you're traveling to a different state, you may be able to fill that prescription in a different state. So ask those questions before you leave if you're concerned about running out of a medication. Another thing you can do is ask for a 90-day supply of a medication. Generally speaking, if you've been filling it as a monthly supply, in order to obtain a like two-month or a 90-day supply, the pharmacy will need a different prescription that says that they're allowed to dispense that quantity. So you will need to kind of, you know, tell your physician's office that they need to send a prescription or the pharmacy can tell them that. Um, but those are some coordination pieces. So whenever there's some like extra um, you know, planning that needs to come into play, try to plan in advance so you have enough time to get these things established. You know, the most stressful things are when you notice, you know, in the afternoon on a Friday that you're running out of a medication and there's no refills. So try to plan ahead. Try to keep an eye out when you can on how many tablets are left in the bottle or in your pill box. And also notice that on your pill boxes um, or containers, it should tell you how many refills are left. So try to keep an eye on that, and when you notice that there's no refills left, you know, talk to your healthcare provider about if they can issue you a new prescription or if you need to be seen before they will refill a prescription, because um, we definitely don't want people running out um, over the weekend, while they're traveling, um, or over the holidays, and that's a big one, too. And a big favor to us is, is just to plan ahead, right? So, you know, when it comes up, a lot of our um, holidays that are upcoming, you know, fall into long weekend type situations. So um, take that into consideration. You know, some people, although a lot of our holidays are falling on the weekend, some, um, you know, clinics and ho not hospitals, but the clinics might be closed the Friday before or the Monday after. So take that stuff into consideration. Um, communication is really key. So just make sure you're asking questions. Um, you know, don't be afraid to, to ask. We want to hear those questions and the sooner the better. And then communicating um, with your healthcare team about adherence. You know, we want to know if you're taking a medication and we prescribed it as a twice a day medication and that's really cumbersome for you, let us know that. 
Maybe there's an opportunity where there's a medication that can be taken once a day that could be an option for you. You know, we want to pick the best treatment for you, but one of those, you know, considerations and what's the best treatment for you is a, you know, making sure that we have something that you can be successful at. So make sure that if, you know, a medication is really hard for you to take, the pills are hard to swallow, it's too costly, let us know that. If you're having side effects, a good thing to do is keep a journal and write down what's going on so that we can talk about those things when you come in. Of course, if it's something that's very bothersome to you, if you're having like nausea or throwing up and it's not controlled very well, call us so we can adjust it before you come in. Honesty is key. You know, sometimes if you miss a dose, that could impact your labs and things like that. And some medications will actually adjust based on those situations. So let us know. Please be honest so we're not like increasing a dose because we think, you know, you, you are taking your medication and, and you haven't been or something like that. So honesty um, is definitely a key factor there. And then just leverage the support, um, you know, of your healthcare team, of your, your pharmacy and your pharmacist. You know, a lot of our pharmacies do send out um, reminders. A lot of them have apps as well. So use those apps um, to, to your um, benefit as well. Sometimes they will give telephone calls to help remind you as well. They can sometimes supply you pill boxes, or some pharmacies can even package things differently. Like if you have a hard time opening certain containers and things like that, they can provide additional resources to you to help make them more accessible and, and easier for you to manipulate. Um, dose simplification too, a lot of times the pharmacists or pharmacies can help package things a certain way, they can help simplify and minimize um, adverse events and adverse effects by reviewing your medications and talking through um, some of the dosing strategies and things like that with you as well. So again, just don't be afraid to ask questions. We want to help you. Um, we want to help you understand things as well. So sometimes there are, you know, insurance barriers or timing barriers or we need a new prescription or something like that. So don't be afraid to ask and just to the best of your ability, try to give um, the pharmacy and your healthcare team as much time as possible. So if you know you have a big trip coming up, you're going to travel to a different country, let us know so we can work with you to plan for those situations as well. So hopefully, um, you know, from this perspective, you learned a little bit from the pharmacist side of things. And, you know, we we'll definitely will open it up to questions and stuff later on. But thank you so much for having me be a part of this. And I'm happy to answer any questions that you guys have at the end of this session. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Thompson. That was really outstanding. Just a wonderful, stellar presentation. And I think that um, you really did a wonderful job in covering so many of the things that pharmacists can help people with. And, um, and having a relationship with their pharmacist is so important. So thank you so much. Um, and I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A as well. And our next speaker is Ms. Charlotte Ferenz. And Ms. Ferenz is an oncology social worker, a program coordinator at Cancer Care, and she'll be addressing Cancer Care's free programs and services and Cancer Care's Hope Line and our website as well. It's my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Ferenz. Thank you, Dr. Messner. I'm honored to be a part of this program today. Cancer Care is a national nonprofit organization. We provide free professional support services and information to help people manage the emotional, the practical, and the financial challenges of a cancer diagnosis. And our comprehensive services include resource navigation, online support groups, 
educational workshops, publications, financial and co-payment assistance, sometimes for medications. And many of those services depend on where you live. So it can be helpful to call our Hopeline and see what services are available in your area. We do offer national resource navigation services. Those involve a short-term strengths-based approach to resource navigation where specialists work with both patients and caregivers to find additional avenues of support, either emotional or financial. Our national online support groups take place using a password-protected message board format, and they too are led by professional oncology social workers who offer support and guidance. Those groups are held for 15 weeks at a time, and you can register on our website to join an online group that's specific to you. We also have on Cancer Care's website, which is cancercare.org, a wide array of reading materials and educational support. This includes our recorded Connect Education workshops. It includes the Cancer Care Out Loud, Cancer Care Podcast, publications, as well as stories of help and hope. We also have national community workshops on Zoom, our coping circles, that address a variety of different support topics and diagnoses, and you'd register for those either online or on the Hopeline. As others have mentioned in this call, taking your pills on schedule sometimes requires additional support, and it's not something that you have to navigate alone. So often we hear from clients that they're feeling alone in their concerns with medication management or the financial stress of paying for medication. So by calling the Hope Line, and that number is 1-800-813-4673, individuals in the United States have access to cancer care oncology social workers who can help find support with those concerns. Building community and reaching out for help isn't always easy, but it's important to both maintain your support systems and your coping strategies when dealing with a cancer diagnosis. Working with oncology social workers through resource navigation or counseling support groups can provide you with space to express yourself in a safe and comfortable environment. And you can work on developing that care plan with your medical team and caregivers. So oncology social workers can be an added support to that existing team. If you're interested in learning more about the support services that Cancer Care offers, I encourage you to call our Hopeline. Again, that's 1-800-813. 4673. We're here to offer support and we do look forward to hearing from you. It's been great to be a part of this program today. Thanks for your attention and letting me speak. I'll now turn the program back to you, Dr. Messner. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Messner. Um, excellent presentation and wonderful resource. I know there'll be lots of questions for you during the Q&A as well. And now we have time for questions. I'm going to ask Regina to bring all of our speakers on board and we're going to try to take as many of your questions as possible. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time we will take questions from the web only. You may submit questions by clicking ask a question. So this is a question actually for Dr. Fleischman. When traveling, when do you take your medication if there is a time difference? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, it often and the answer is not that simple from my experience. It often depends upon which medicine, uh, you know, how long it lasts in your body and which direction you're going, if you're gaining time or losing time. Um, uh, often we're told just to sort of assume the time at our destination as soon as we leave, especially if we're on an airplane and, 
and crossing um, and crossing time zones, but that doesn't work um, if you're losing time. So um, I would go through that with your provider or your pharmacist because it really is different for different medications and traveling in different directions. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks. Good advice, and I hope that will be helpful to um, our caller and to actually to many other people who are wondering the same question, wondering about the same question, actually. Um, the next question for Dr. Thompson, should you eat something before taking any medication or is it dependent on each medication? It is dependent on the type of medication or, or what medication. So definitely, you know, talk to your uh, pharmacist or, you know, healthcare team about how to take the medications. Um, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you might be on medications that need to be taken with food and then other medications that need to be taken without food. So it can definitely, you know, be a part of kind of that planning process for how to manage your treatments. So definitely, you know, ask that question. It's a good question to know. And typically speaking, when I'm counseling patients, I do try to tell them this one needs to be taken with food um, or it needs to be taken without food or it doesn't matter. And if it doesn't matter, then it's kind of up to you. I think whatever is the easiest way for you to remember and if it does not matter, I also usually tell patients that if they take it on an empty stomach and it seems to upset their stomach a little bit, then to take it with food. But that's definitely a good question to ask about on each medication. Excellent. Thank you. And um, for Ms. Ferris, um, so work has been very stressful and I often forget to take my medication. Any thoughts or suggestions that I might, um, might put into place? Yeah, we see that come up so often with people where the emotional response to other stressors in their life affects their ability to, you know, focus on the medication part of things. For that, I would I would really explore either reducing what that stress turns into in your body, so whether that's working with a professional or doing any sort of mindfulness activities, or as we talked about today, even if it's as, you know, as small as setting timers on your phone or alarms or ways that you're able to really check in with, is there something else outside of work that, that you could be doing to maintain your health during those work hours? Excellent. Thank you. Thanks so much. That's excellent. Um, so a question uh, for Dr. Fleischman. I have to take different medications. Can I take them all at the same time or do I have to space them out? Oh, another good question. It depends upon what the medications are. <laughs> sometimes things shouldn't be taken together and sometimes they can. And uh, this is again where your provider and especially your pharmacist can give you really good advice uh, about uh, if you can, which ones you can take together, which ones need to, need to be spaced a little further apart, which ones before food, with food, after food, and which foods and, sup and supplements you can't mix with your medicines. And that's why it's hard to answer this question in general. So that would be a good question to ask one's healthcare provider and pharmacist as well. Yes. Okay, excellent. Okay. And then um, another question, and this would be for Dr. Thompson. Um, can I take my medication as soon as I remember to take it, or should I just wait until the next day? 
So that will also depend um, on the medication and definitely, again, um, you know, <laughs> I feel like we're all ha we're having some similar answers um, here, um, you know, but, but things are very, um, very treatment specific, right? It's hard to, you know, we're all unique individuals and the medications, um, you know, are somewhat unique in that sense as well. So we want to make sure you're taking them the right way. So it definitely um, also depends. It'll depend on if it's a once a day medication or, you know, a medication that you take two or three times a day for, you know, how much time we can kind of give some leeway on that. If it's a medication that's once a day, you know, we'll oftentimes say that if it's, you know, like an hour or two and you remember, go ahead and take it. If it's, you know, several hours later, oftentimes we'll tell you just to skip that dose and just kind of note that you missed a dose. Um, so again, you know, collaborate with your pharmacist and your provider to determine whether it's a medication that that matters um, if, you, if you take them too close together or, or that kind of stuff, because sometimes that, you know, side effects then can be additive. If we, you know, skip it or skip a dose, it's better than um, taking that dose and almost doubling up, um, in which case it might make you, you know, not feel as good or increase side effects and things like that. So definitely, you know, talk with your team about what the best option is for your medications that you're taking. Excellent. Thank you. And a question from Sarah. Um, as a long-distance caregiver, what are some recommendations you have for me to help my dad in adhering to his medication? Long distance caregiving is such an important role, you know, especially with the rise of technology. There's a lot of different ways that like long distance caregivers are checking in with the person diagnosed with cancer. I think sometimes working with people to really outline kind of in a, a very detailed way, what their day looks like, what is the average day during the week, what's their average day on the weekend, and how how do they want to be supported with that? So are they comfortable with a call or a timer or a, you know, a, a FaceTime or a Zoom or something like that? Or do they want something more general once a week to check in and see what pills might be left in the pill box if, if that's something that's been forgotten or, you know, has all the medication been taken at the appropriate time. It's really up to your relationship. And I think exploring that with the, the person with cancer and with the treatment team too is, can be helpful. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and can they involve like na uh, friends and neighbors or people nearby who might be able to? Or, mm -hmm. is that, is Absolutely. That yeah. Yeah, and seeing, you know, is there someone nearby that, that can participate in that way in a more, like, hands-on approach? And if not, what are what are ways that you can, you know, work through that? Are there, are there the other techniques that we described here? And you can serve as kind of an added, um, added accountability factor there as well. But I think in general that, that relationship between the two of you and the inclusion with the treatment team can be really important. Excellent. Thank you. And a question for Dr. Fleischman. Um, I feel like I'm getting worse symptoms because of my medication. What should I do? Well, often that is the case. Um, not always, but often. Sometimes um, that can be a, a, a good sign to you that you're really absorbing the medication well. But the, the uh, opposite of that, many people feel that if they don't get side effects, medication isn't helping them, and that is not, not so. So um, especially if, 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 well, if you're not on a clinical trial, 
um, your dose is often and routinely uh, adjusted both for more for intravenous medicines, but it could be for oral medicines as well. So tell your cancer treatment team, tell your oncologist, oncology nurse, um, that, that, that is, is routine. Uh, as I was saying before about the, the reports, adjusting things is routine, keeping them exactly the same doesn't always happen. It doesn't happen very often. Um, if the side effects are still bad, it may be counterintuitive that there may be another medicine to take to counteract the side effect. And that's one of those benefit-risk decisions to make with your providers. Uh, you really have a discussion about it because it may be so important to take the right dose of medicine that taking a, another medicine to counteract the side effect really makes sense. Well, thank you. Um... So another question, Dr. Fleischman, can I take painkiller with my drugs? I think my doctor said it was okay, but will I get dependent on painkillers? Oh, that's also a, a very hot uh, issue these days. So um, painkillers come uh, in a diff many different families. We talk about families of drugs because some drugs have um, both a, a chemical structure and an action that's similar. They may have slight differences and may be made by a number of different companies, or they may be a generic form, um, which can be made by more than one company, or specific forms that are made only by one company for a certain period of time. There are a whole host of interactions that can happen between pain medicines and your other medicines. Um, an example that often comes up is taking a pain medicines like um, morphine or diluted or codeine along with anti-nausea medicines. And many of the anti-nausea medicines may cause some sedation and taking both together um, often means that two plus two equals eight <laughs> because they, they act in concert with each other. So um, uh, asking about that is really, really important. Sometimes the timing can be adjusted, and sometimes um, uh, they need to be in a fixed dose. As far as the pain medication goes, pain, uh, the uh, trouble with uh, using pain medicines for, for not especially outside of cancer, but only for a small number of cancer patients is very real, and we need to be respectful of uh, people who have um, had a substance abuse problems in the past or have a close blood relative who's had a substance abuse problem because some of this may be an inherited tendency. Um, the thing about pain medicines is that the, uh, the directions need to be really clear and often they're uh, not so clear, like use every four hours as needed. Um, it, it may be a, a good idea to really have a discussion with your provider about that. One of the things that I've seen over many years, even before the opioid crisis occurred, is that um, many patients don't like taking narcotic pain medicines. They think it makes their brains foggy. They can't remember things. It makes them tired. It makes them nauseous. It makes them constipated. So if we ask people to take one, let's say, every eight hours or every 12 hours, they um, will skip one, and then that the, the level of medicines in their system changes. Sometimes that's okay, sometimes it's not. <laughs> Again, have that discussion um, with your provider. Uh, taking the right amount of medicines is both an art and a science, and that's why it needs a good communication between you and your treatment team. 
And I guess it sounds like it's a conversation that one has to have on a regular basis. It may not be just a one-time discussion. Is that correct? Yes. Um, and um, a question for um, Dr. Thompson. Um, what questions should I ask my pharmacist? It's sort of a general question. <laughs> Are there questions I should ask my pharmacist? Um, just um, let's, you know, participants just. Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, any any questions you have, you know, I think, you know, there's there's no dumb question, so to speak. There's no, you know, if you have a question, ask it. And and that's, I think, what I tried to kind of reiterate during, um, you know, while I was talking is just don't be afraid to ask questions because, you know, it's better for you to know and to ask the question than to be wondering, to be concerned, to be stressed. Um, you know, all, all those things impact your quality of life as well. So, you know, I think good questions to ask are some of those questions that have already been asked today during the Q&A session is, you know, how do I take this medication? Should I take it with or without food? If I forget, um, should I take the medication or not? Um, you know, what kind of side effects can I expect from this medication? What should I call about with those side effects? You know, some side effects, if they're mild, we say that's okay, but there's some side effects, like if you have, um, you know, a fever or something, we want to know about that right away. So, you know, is there any side effect that would be considered an emergency? Um, things like that are, are good questions to ask to help navigate, um, you know, what to do and, and when to do it. So I think, um, you know, how how do I take the medication? Those types of things are good questions to ask. And, and then again, any question that you have is definitely a good question to ask because it's better to get those questions answered than to be wondering and concerned. So, so hopefully that helps give you some guidance there. And actually pharmacists are often available sometimes um, um, at times at different times of the day, they um, may not be just there from nine to five. Like some pharmacies are open um, for longer periods of time. Do you want to comment on that as well? Yes, um, definitely. That's a, that's a great point. Um, some pharmacies are 24 hours. Um, you know, hospital pharmacies oftentimes are, and then typically, you know, there's usually I would say one or two retail pharmacies probably in your city. Um, I will say that from when I first started working in pharmacy um, or when I was in pharmacy school, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there were more pharmacies that were open extended hours, 24 hours and things like that. So that is definitely something to consider, especially if you are, um, you know, calling um, one of those like over the phone consultations or if you're not feeling well at night or if you get a prescription because you went to the emergency department and or a um, urgent care and it's later at night to ask them um, or to research a little bit, you know, is there a 24-hour pharmacy in my area? Because um, I personally have also run into that challenge where you're calling and it's like 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock at night and then they're sending a prescription to a pharmacy, but that pharmacy maybe is either closed or they're only open a short period of time and can't get that prescription to you. Um, so it is good to know if there is a 24-hour retail pharmacy in your area. And then, yes, they are good resources as well for questions and things like that, especially after hours. And there's more and more um, apps that, you know, allow for 24-7 consultation and things like that. So leverage those when you do have questions and things like that. And then in addition to the fact that even if your clinic is closed, there's oftentimes a um, after-hours number or a way to get a hold of providers after hours. So, you know, we don't want to be using that for just 
any question, but if it's something that is really bothering you, you're not sure what to do, then please do call that number. Again, we would rather answer your questions than to have something turn into an issue um, overnight. So, Dr. Fleischman, do you want to also comment on that in terms of the patients working with their healthcare team to know who do they call in the evening or weekends when things seem to always happen? It just seems that they don't always happen just during business hours. Could you comment on that? Sure. Um, th this is a, an interesting thing because um, many of us, especially uh, uh, the older part of our group are used to just going into the pharmacy and giving in a paper prescription and then coming back and picking it up after it's been filled and ready for us to take home. Many specialty um, oncology uh, drugs, e even uh, sometimes some of the nausea medicines are dispensed by a specialty pharmacy, often in another part of the country, and the um, uh, bottles of uh, medication are sent uh, through express mail or a private delivery service. So the pharmacists that staff those, um, those specialty pharmacies are often extremely knowledgeable <laughs> about those drugs because that's what they do all day. Um, and they may be in another part of the country and they may actually be working when you have your question. So calling up um, may be a really good source of information. Excellent, thank you. And um, a question for Ms. Friends, probably that will be our last question today. Um, actually, um, about the costs of medication. Sometimes people have issues around uh, that, managing that. And if you just want to comment on some of the resources that are available to people to help with, um, you know, um, the cost of care or cost of medication, that might be a nice resource. And I should mention to everybody on the call that after today's program, well, probably tomorrow you'll be getting a survey monkey evaluation. It is an evaluation of the program. But in addition, we also list all sorts of resources that we may have mentioned today. Um, that um, that will be there as well. So it also has, so look for those resources as well. But I just wanted to, Ms. Ferens, if you could mention any resources that people should probably keep at their fingertips that they should be aware of, and then we'll just be sure to actually add that to the list of resources that, that people will be getting. Um, yeah, absolutely. Minutes. The financial component here, you know, when we talk about medications can really be taxing for people for a variety of reasons, whether that's like a two or three dollar copay, if people have a, an insurance that covers that, that still can be outside of people's budget sometimes. And there are certainly copayments to medications that are hundreds of dollars that can really, you know, be taxing as well. So I, I encourage people one to get really well connected with their insurance plan, and you can do that by calling your insurance company if you have health insurance. There's also on triagecancer.org. Triage Cancer has a great um, outline of health insurance comparison worksheets, different ways to access support on um, prescription medication costs. There's also the PAN Foundation's Fund Finder tool that pulls from all of the copayment foundations that are out there that primarily work with Medicare um, recipients, but there are certainly other other funds as well. And that you can put in your information, your diagnosis, so that you don't have to check, you know, all eight or nine of the copayment foundations. There's also needy meds, good RX. Sometimes we'll have a list of patient assistance programs at pharmaceutical companies. So there's really a lot of different programs out there. And I think, you know, you 
you go into these these moments planning for the busiest week, the hardest week, the week that you're going to forget things. And, and if you plan for that week, even if it's not happening, and we certainly hope it doesn't, but if you plan for that week and gather all these resources kind of before you need them, if something comes up, you have something then to rely on. So yeah, I would. I always send folks to Needy Meds, GoodRx, The Fund Finder, and Triage Cancers Worksheets. So we'll send that to you in terms of the um, survey monkey, but you also can call our Hope Line um, at um, mm-hmm. 1-800-813-4673, and our staff will be there to, to answer your questions. Um, and, um, and there is one other question, <laughs> uh, which I don't want to not take. I just realized it just came in. Um, so. Um, uh, this would be for Dr. Thompson. My pharmacy set up so I get med medication delivered. Should I worry about the weather? Will the medication be okay when it is really cold or hot out? That's a great question. Um, I would say in general that the hot temperatures tend to be a little bit more particular about medications. If it is a medication that needs to be refrigerated or is very um sensitive to temperatures, it should come with ice packs or things like that, and pharmacies should be packaging them accordingly. Um, Generally speaking, temperature excursions, so high temperatures, real low temperatures, for short periods of time are okay for medications. What I will say, though, is I do live in Arizona, and, um, you know, I am on one kind of like regular medication. And in general, yes, it, it doesn't matter if it sits in the mailbox for a little bit, it gets a little hot, it's not a big deal. It is a tablet. Um, but I will say I do try to like be aware of when I do have medications coming so it's not sitting in a hot mailbox for a week or something like that. And sometimes things aren't, um, you know, easy to manage like that. Sometimes, you know, things come and it's unexpected and stuff like that. Um, but if I do know it's really hot outside, I, I do try just to have it in that kind of like hot <laughs> mailbox um, sitting there on its own for the shortest period of time possible. But it's not like you have to be hopping all over your mailbox or your mail person every day just to, um, you know, be worried about it. Um, And if you do have concerns about a specific medication, then I would um, ask your pharmacist or your pharmacy that will be sending that out um, if they have any concern about it. Um, But I think just having general awareness so that you don't have medication sitting in a mailbox for a long period of time is best. But generally speaking, um, you know, short durations are okay. Great question. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm just going to sort of wrap this up with each of you just providing a takeaway to the participants. I'll just start with Dr. Fleischman, um, then Dr. Thompson, and then Ms. Uh, friends. Um, Surely. Uh, timing of medications is essential um, to know exactly when you, what medicine you need to take and when you need to take it and when that can be altered um, and having the Good, good conversations with your uh, treatment team at your cancer center or the pharmacist is essential. Excellent. And Dr. Thompson? Yes, very similar um, takeaways again. Um, kind of what I've been reiterating is just don't be afraid to ask questions. We, as your healthcare team, um, want to help you. So please do ask questions and leverage support from, from what works for you, right? So whether that's other people, um, your family, your um, friends, whether it's technology, whether it's written notes for reminders or tracking and things like that, you know, find what works for you and, and go with it. Excellent. Thank you. And Ms. Ferens? 
Yeah, to keep that to keep that trend going, you know, this isn't something that you have to go through by yourself. So the moment that you have that question or the moment that you're realizing that this might be a trend of having difficulty with keeping that that prescription on on track, then certainly write that down and and really record it in the moment so that other people can support you. Excellent. I want to thank all of our speakers. You've really been phenomenal. And I want to thank all of our participants for asking such really great questions. Uh, these are really great questions, and I have to say, um, um, and all on track with your questions. But I do want to um, comment about these questions. Um, I know many of you had a chance to ask a question, but there were many in queue that didn't get to ask a question. And there are some of you who are, of course, um, waiting to, um, to ask a question or have a question that you're forming. So for all of you, I would suggest that you go back to treating healthcare team with what you've learned today and ask them the question that you asked today or that you want to ask or that you hope to ask. And ask it over and over again until you get the question that you need. And the healthcare team in this instance involves um, basically your, your physician, your treating physician, your pharmacist, um, and your oncology social worker, your um, patient navigator, financial navigator, um, all of our institutions have oncology nurse. There's so many different people in your institution that you can ask these questions of and ask them over and over again until you get the answers you need. And most importantly, we don't want anyone to leave the call feeling you're alone. We want you to now know that you're part of a community of support and we are here to help you. And you can contact us anytime. We're here, of course, to help you. And I want to thank you all for your participation today and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop and you may now disconnect. Everyone have a great day.